0: Me and my cousin, Lisa, sort of looked at it together, which was really nice. And and we liked the fact that Radford had these family values and they're run by a brother and sister duo themselves. So it kind of, it felt really right. And um, we've kind of did it in memory of our nan, Nanny Fish, because um, she's my great nan, Lisa's nan. So me and Lisa are sort of different generations, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But we kind of wanted to care for people because we saw that our nan had dementia and was in her own home and actually had an amazing life when she was in her own home. So we wanted to be able to do the same thing.
1: Have you considered investing in a franchise or running one yourself? Are you searching for information to help you make the best decision possible for your future? Have you ever worried about whether the information you're finding has your best interests in mind? Welcome to the Franchise Rising Podcast. In this show, we bring on experts, franchisees, Selective franchisors to share strategies, stories, and expert advice to help women like you along your franchise journey. The information on this show is not intended as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy a franchise and is for information purposes only. I'm your host, Erin Carpenter. Let's get going with today's show. hey everyone welcome back to another episode of the franchise rising podcast today I have an amazing guest on the show her name is Jenny Bardrick and Jenny is the co CEO and marketing director at Radfield home care and specifically in Havering and Brentwood and is that right Jenny
0: that's
1: right, correct. <laughs> so I am. I'm really excited to bring Jenny on the show today because she's our f- first guest from England. So we're we're taking it across the pond today. And Jenny and I started. We actually connected via social media, and just uh, you know just started exchanging messages. And she had some questions and was intrigued by what we were doing. And then and then vice versa. And so I said, hey, hey, Jenny, why don't you come on the show because. You know, after our first conversation, I, I just couldn't help but think this, your story, it just falls directly in line with so many of our audience members. And I think, I think you have a lot to share and, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about it today.
0: Great. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So,
1: so Jenny's been, you know, on, on top of being the co-CEO and marketing director, a franchisee of, of Radfield Home Care, she is raking in the awards this year. So, I'm just going to go down the list and and Jenny, feel free to add any that I miss here. So, you're the winner of Businesswoman of the Year and Franchisee at the National New Business Awards in 2018, winner of the New Business of the Year Award at Havering Business Awards in 2018, another one in 2018, you were awarded prestigious top 20 home care providers in London. At the homecare.co.uk awards. Yep. And then also, you're the winner of the Judges Award and a £12,000 marketing prize at the Thames. It is, Thames is that correct? Yep, that's right. Okay. Yeah. Gateway Business Awards mm-hmm. this year. So that's amazing. That's one, two, three, four awards this year. It should Congratulations. Come to five.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what an honor to have you on the show
0: oh thank you for having me
1: all right well hey it's it's my pleasure so tell me a little bit let's let's talk a little bit about jenny bardrick who are you and you know tell me about a, tell me a little bit about your role with this franchise
0: okay so it's kind of like a big question so basically i came across radfield about um a year and a half ago now i'd just been working in london and more recently in sydney advising kind of retailers about um how to grow their business and strategic planning and things like that and kind of felt like i wanted to do something a little bit different Um, when i was in australia still i started looking at care franchises and just thinking about getting into care but actually it was quite difficult when i got back to the uk to try and get a job in care and my cousin was looking at franchising she was actually looking at nursery franchises so we came across radfield at a exhibition in london um, we just went to a randomly, went to a franchise exhibition, not expecting to invest in a business at the end of it. But basically three months later, we'd put down the deposit and we were starting off this business. So that's kind of how we came across it. And me and my cousin, Lisa, sort of looked at it together, which was really nice. And, and we liked the fact that Radford had these family values and they're run by a brother and sister duo themselves. So it kind of, it felt really right. And um, we've kind of did it in memory of our nan, Nanny Fish, because... She's my great nan, Lisa's nan, so me and Lisa are sort of different generations, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, But we kind of wanted to care for people because we saw that our nan had dementia and was in her own home and actually had an amazing life when she was in her own home. So we wanted to be able to do the same thing. So I guess that answers your first part of the question. Um, In terms of the second part of the question, how we fit in so um, Lisa and I are both um, run the the operation Haven and Brentwood, and we work with Radfield, who are the kind of i guess the brand owners, if you like and they 're based in Birmingham, sort of in this, that area in the central of England and we 're the first franchisee um, in essex and we 're basically planning on taking over the whole of the essex region we 've got about five sort of four or five territories that we 've secured, but we 're only really operating in one or two of them at the moment, so got massive growth plans and it's wow. yeah it's really exciting
1: wow congratulations that's exciting and and I love to hear that part of the story about how you didn't expect to even start a franchise and you happen to go to this franchising conference in, yeah. in England and then and then also what drew you into the home care franchise world because of your because is it Nan yeah
0: yes. my great Nan. yeah great man. he's great passed name. away now sadly but we do it in her memory
1: so you're on the legacy for sure huh
0: Exactly. Yeah. And the, the ironic thing about, I don't know if it's ironic, but about the, um, the exhibition is actually now I've been back to the same exhibition in London that we went to when we started 12 months later, and I actually spoke at the exhibition. So I was able to share my story with potential franchisees in the home care sector. To be honest, it was anyone, it would have been relevant for anyone. And also I did the same in Birmingham. So I love the fact that you can help other people and help them in their journey as well.
1: Yeah. And let, let's talk about that story and journey because I know from our previous conversation, your your world didn't start in Australia when you were interested in when you when you went to this exhibition. Can, can you no. take that because you have a tremendous um, corporate career, corporate background as well, oh, as do you. many prospective franchisees.
0: Yeah. Is, is yeah definitely I should definitely be proud of that, very much so so I um after school and everything, I went to Warwick University, which the the Americans may not have heard of they 've probably heard of Oxford and Cambridge, but it 's the next best one after Oxford mm-hmm. and Cambridge University, you know, and um, I studied economics and I got a first class degree, so I was really proud of that and then I graduated and worked for deloitte, which i 'm sure a lot of people would know. Um, I got into their strategy consulting team, which was very difficult to get into, so I was really proud about that. Um and I then went on to sort of advise retailers like um Tesco's and Marks and Spencer's. And then in Australia I got headhunted to go over there and advise Woolworths on their strategic growth plans. So it was amazing. I was getting paid like a six-figure salary and it was great, but I wasn't I wasn't feeling like I was giving back to anyone. I didn't really feel like I was doing what was right for me. It wasn't like living my purpose, if you like. Um and, yeah, I just wanted to explore other things. Funnily enough, my a lot of people are very sceptical, a lot of my family and a lot of my friends. And I imagine that people that are thinking about franchises and starting a franchise might have the same resistance. But it's quite funny because when you think about franchises, companies like McDonald's and Domino's and Subway, people don't realise that they're all run by franchises typically and they're so popular and everyone will consume... Things from those brands all the time, but yet when you start saying, Oh, I might start a franchise, people say, Oh, don't do that. It's dangerous, or it's a bad idea, or be skeptical.
1: Yeah. So you you talked that's such a good point to keep in mind. I wanna I'm I'm curious about your purpose. You said you weren't living your purpose. Did you know what that purpose was at that point? Like did you what aspect of it wasn't working for you for you? Yeah,
0: I think. I think to some extent, you're always trying to kind of work out and figure out and get to that point where you're living your absolute purpose. And I definitely am still on that journey. Um, for me, I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. That was sort of, I realized that and I kind of thought, what do I love doing? What am I passionate about? And I love helping other people. I'm the sort of person that if, I, if people say, can you do this for me? And I've got a list, my own to do list to do, I'll do the stuff for other people first before I do something for myself. So I kind of did a lot of soul searching and tried to figure out my personality and my strengths. And I also thought a lot about what I enjoy. And I love hanging out with old people, which sounds really weird. But um, I just, I'm really close to my nan and great aunt. They're a big reason why I want to be able to do this and help them when they need support. Um, And yeah, so I was like, okay, well, if I can hang out with old people, do something that helps others, and obviously make, make money from it, because at the end of the day, we all need to make money to live the life we want to be able to live, then it's worth a shot.
1: Sounds like you found the trifecta, huh?
0: <laughs> Something like that. Help <laughs> people, <simple>,
1: help others, <laughs> and uh, make money doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not easy, though. I wouldn't say it's always easy. <laughs> but what is?
1: So what were some of the specific okay. objections that other people had when they heard you were trying to do this?
0: That's a really good question. Um, I think some people had some stereotypes. So they'd kind of heard of various franchises that might have got you to pay lots of money and not really giving you much for it or not giving you much support or or that, that sort of stuff. Um, I think family were just concerned because obviously for me personally, I'd just moved back from Australia. I was going through a personal, lots of change in my personal life. So it's sort of like, I was taken on quite a big challenge quite a lot at once um and I think I've been brought up with my mum and dad both having stable jobs, and therefore they believe that I should have a stable job to some extent to be honest my dad my da- yeah my dad, I would say was actually my biggest cheerleader he's like if it makes you happy, I think you'll be amazing at it and he's yeah he's had the same job for sort of fifty years when he retired so and everyone is now extremely supportive. Everyone's so proud of what I've achieved. Taking my mum to our award ceremonies. Everyone's yeah, amazing now. But it is what I would say, and what I said at the exhibition when I presented was, um, "Do your own analysis. Do your own research. Obviously, you do need to seek advice from possibly from loved ones, especially if they're financially supporting you, or if, especially if they're a big part of your lives. But ultimately, it's your life. It's your decision." And don't necessarily take that advice on board
1: (laughs) yeah so I mean it sounds like you you did that analysis to to help get you through that yeah those objections how else did you overcome those I mean and, and have the courage to move forward despite
0: yeah I think that's a really hard question I think because me and my cousin set the business up together and that's probably one part of it because maybe if I was on my own I would have been sort of uh, scared by all those objections and those challenges. Um, but I do think the research has got a big part of it. So I, I love a spreadsheet. And I basically, um, we didn't go from meeting Radfield to signing on the dotted line in in twelve in like a day, in like 12 hours or 24 hours. Um, we spent three months and I basically spoke to a number of different brands. I had a spreadsheet where I analysed and benchmarked all of their different like how much they what the cost was what the long-term royalties works obviously at the end of the day it's what you're going to be paying long-term that's probably going to make a bigger difference than the upfront fee although the upfront fee is important what support they would give you long-term I, I had this spreadsheet with about 30 or 40 rows on it Um, went to discovery days with all three companies so I, I basically absorbed as much facts as I could and then I presented it and then Lisa, my cousin, for example, sat down and presented that back to her husband because she's married and she had that commitment and she needed to make sure he was comfortable because obviously it's their their family that they're supporting as well. She's got twins. Um, Yeah. So, and I did the same with my family that I'm close to. So yeah, it's just about having the facts on paper that people can't argue with the facts.
1: I I love a good spreadsheet too. (laughs)
0: definitely
1: helpful in some situations. Got to love love those pivot tables. And if you look up tables, (laughs) (laughs) lost the audience right there. Um, Okay. So, I mean, numbers and facts are are great. And, you know, I've done the same when I'm buying a car and doing lease versus buy comparisons of various models. There, I mean, but how did you account for some of the the soft criteria if you will I don't, I don't know if that's the best way to describe it but every single brand i'm sure you experienced this says oh we have fabulous support mm. right yeah. i mean you see it yeah. all over in the faqs great service great support um, and that's that's something that can't necessarily be explained in the spreadsheet or, yeah. or or can it
0: for sure i think to be honest we always had a gut feel that radfield would be who we would go with um so I'd say, in some senses, going with your gut is is actually probably a good thing. But making sure it's backed up in facts, um, I think for us, because they have really strong family values, that's why they really resonated with us. So we felt culturally we were more aligned to them, and um, than the other brands. Also, with a franchise, I believe territory is really important. So. Um, for us a lot the other companies that were a lot bigger didn't have the territories available that we were interested in Mm. and it's a little bit like buying a house like location is everything Mm -hmm. and we want especially with a care franchise we wanted to be living close to or in our territory so that was a big consideration for us and i i think that's really really important um and yeah i think at the end of the day going with what feels right um, we took a bit of a punt because we were pretty much the first ever franchise for Bradford. They had sort of six or seven company owned branches that they had been growing over 10 years. But we were the first franchise. So we were actually going with a company that's probably got less franchise experience, but got a lot of industry experience. So we were taking a risk but actually for us that felt right. So in terms of the softer side, like, that felt aligned to us because we could then influence the growth of the network ourselves so because we're early on in the journey I get to go and meet new franchisees or talk to them on the phone and help them make their decision whether they're going to invest in Radfield or not so I like being part of that and be able to influence the network that's good for me but for someone else that might not be what they want they might just want a company that have got 30 years just franchising experience and that might be right for them it's just what fits well for you and what you want out of it
1: yeah I, I love I love that we're interviewing you and and hear this perspective too. And this kind of aligns with one of our recent guests, Jen Saxton, uh, the founder of of Tot Squad. Uh, she talks a lot about the franchisees that come on board with the the newer brands and as needing to be pioneers. And it sounds like that's just what you are. And yeah. it, it definitely lends lends some um some weight and value to going with a brand that's an emerging brand. Uh, yeah, and 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 like you said, it's about fit, and yeah. you. So it sounds like you, when in as part of your analysis, you looked at the numbers, you looked at culture, cultural fit, and then you looked at the territories and 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 made sure that those those worked, and that actually lines up with some things for that other. That's very smart. Some of our other guests have have spoken about on our show, uh, yeah. because of sharing resources, uh, talent it depends on the kind of brand but there there are various things to keep in mind there so i love i love that i love that suggestion
0: yeah yeah definitely
1: what what have been some of the challenges that you've experienced about working with a newer brand on the franchise side though they had a lot of corporate ex- corporate experience
0: well that's a really hard question <laughs> um, oh, i think something um, that we knew about before we started would be that we would need to be part of the development of some of the systems and processes so for example um we've trained like how we set up and train our carers we didn't necessarily have a blueprint that said like a b c d follow this process and it's done it was a bit like you could do it this way you could do it that way it was a bit more you can decide so actually that worked quite well for us because we've been really flexible and and sort of changed our approach a couple of times. And we've now got an in-house trainer and we're doing it that way. Um, But again, for some people and for sort of certain franchises, it possibly is better to just have a, this is exactly what you do because obviously the brand might get diluted. We might be not doing exactly the same as another franchise as they get bigger and bigger and bigger. That could be risk to the business and make Mm -hmm. it difficult for head office to manage. So from our perspective it's it 's fine, but it's possibly would be better to have more of a system and a structure to that mm-hmm.
1: so you're, you're, sounds like you're shaping to you 're helping to shape the system if you will a little yep. bit but the the upside yep. is you get to really put your two cents into what what 's working for you
0: definitely definitely, but even saying that lots like we 've got an operating manual that 's like this thick that 's got all of our processes, all our policies and procedures, and we have so much support from head office which is amazing um, and it's it's for us great we've, we've actually got a head of some from the head office coming down tomorrow to visit us and it's just great to have that influence in the network and, and drive what we're doing next
1: yeah what are some examples of some of the support that works really well I mean, what what does good franchise support look like
0: okay that's a good question I think one of the other things I said in my talk at the exhibitions was when you do look at the support and ask about the support, a lot of people ask about the support upfront. So they say, Oh, okay, I'm going to pay X thousands of pounds or dollars. So therefore, what do I get at the start? And it's like, well, that is important. But actually what you get over time is probably just as, if not more important, because if they're going to just leave you after your 10 days of training and say, off you go, we'll, we'll do a phone call once a month. That's, that's possibly not enough. Mm So, what I think good looks like, we had about sort of 10 to 15 days of training at the start, which was great. Most of it was at head office. Some of it was at our office. Um, but in terms of ongoing support, we get visits from head office. So we had an, um, we had an audit done the other day. So the, the head of audit came down and did that for us. And we've got our franchise support manager coming down. Tomorrow for a day with us. So I'd probably say we probably would normally get a visit once every two months, not not two in one month, but it just so happens that it's fallen like that because of school holidays and things. Um, we have a call with our franchise development manager once a week, and that's about an hour long, and we've got a very structured agenda. We talk about like the operations of the business, we talk about the marketing of the business, the financials, the territory growth strategy, those kind of things. So. Some of it is sort of tactical, but a lot of it is strategic. What do we need to put in place to grow the business? Um, and we always look at our targets. So how, we, how many care hours are we delivering? Are we on target? And we look at our cash flow. We do that. We do our cash flow probably every month. So my, I don't know. Every owner's different. Every owner's got different strengths. But I think sometimes it's really easy to ignore the, the stuff that you should be. Sorry?
1: Jenny, you there?
0: Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? Okay.
1: Now I can. Sorry, I lost you there for a minute. Go ahead.
0: Oh, okay. No, I was just saying, um, yeah, so the idea of the franchise support manager is to help you and drive you to look at the stuff that it's easy not to look at. So, for example, cash flow, it's really important to keep a focus on that. And if if we didn't sit down and do it every four weeks with her, we possibly wouldn't do it. So (laughs) it's kind of important to keep you on track. So that's what I think it looks like.
1: Too many balls in the air. So, we're, while we're talking numbers and cash flow, yeah, can we? I, I just want to talk a little bit about the the P word <laughs> and what your expectations were before versus what they are, what you've experienced now. So, cash flow. When I say the P word, because this came up from a, a listener a couple of days ago, <laughs> she, she asked about one of the things she wants to hear more about on the show is profitability. Yeah, And as you mapped out your, and, and I understand, just most people listening to this, most people, in case you don't know, um, brands have to be really careful about talking about profitability. So we're just going to, we're going to address it in the, in the best way we can. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, it there are so many variables and no one can speak definitively about it. But when you, you, you had to look at these numbers in your spreadsheets during your planning purposes.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: What? What were you looking? What metrics were you looking at, and were were those somewhat on target with what you've experienced now?
0: Yeah, so we we were kind of looking at um, revenue, and then not, and then gross profit and net profit, um, and then obviously the ca- like as part of that, looking in detail at the cash flow forecast and how that manifests in terms of your break even point, in particular, um, because that affects whether you need to get some finance at the end of the day mm-hmm. to support you. Um, we were kind of, Bradfield quite clearly sort of in their discussions shared with us their profitability level, which is around 20 to 25%. Um, and we're, we've are we kind of been on track or ahead of all our targets that our franchises set out for us. Um, and I think they would share that generally, so I'm not worried about sort of sharing that those okay that information um we've, we're delivering around 300 hours of care a week now
1: wow. okay so yeah. that's a unit of measurement the hours hours of care
0: yeah exactly exactly um so yeah no we're really happy with how how we're delivering a, we are delivering a profit every month so um but at the end of the day like you say it does depend because if you're going to spend loads of money on like office costs and things extra resources to help you here there and everywhere then it's obviously going to Cost you more money, and your net profit's going to be eroded. Um, and every business is different, yeah.
1: Yeah, and did they provide? Are you provided during the sales process with the the different expenses to expect? You know, via yes. some sort of franchise disclosure document, or
0: yeah, we well, we all in the cash flow, everything is itemized. So okay. I would definitely if someone's looking at a franchise, I'd definitely ask for a copy of a cash flow forecast it wouldn't i'm sure some you'd have to wait till you're at a certain stage sometimes to get access to that which i think is fair enough but there should be sort of detailed line items which say like mobile phones rent rates all those things franchise royalty fee directors drawings all of those things should be listed and individual so you can see what they are and then what we did is we actually challenged them because i had i mean i i got the cash flow forecasts for every company I was looking at. So I was able to expertise? say, yeah, I was able to say like, well, for mobile phones on that with that company is a lot more than that company. So I need to, I need to understand why that is. Cause at the end of the day, knowledge is power, isn't it? So you can challenge and, and make it better.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. How, how does the, how do you and your cousin um, separate your roles or what are your roles and how do you guys mm-hmm. manage that? I mean, That's a really good question. Because not only is are there two co-founders, but your family too,
0: right? Your mm. so,
1: family. Sometimes I help out with childcare. And that. <laughs> and, and that that can be wonderful. And then, you know, it also, you know, anyway, you have to have things to find, I'd imagine. Yeah, definitely. No, it's it a
0: really good question. I think we're really grateful that there's two of us. I. You can definitely do it with just one person. You don't need to, but having two is amazing. And mm-hmm. um, for lots of reasons, one of them being going on holiday make, makes it easier and more. you're more able to actually have a break and cut off. Because I think if it was just one of us, you might not be able to do that so much. Um, so the way we operate is Lisa deals with all the operations of the business and I deal with all of the kind of marketing Mm -hmm. Um, the reason for that is my background is more in sort of strategy, customer insights and marketing and her background is, um, in investment of asset management. I always say investment management, um, in the, running the operations of that. So she's just naturally, we just fell into those kind of areas more. So the idea of going to a networking event or speaking at an event absolutely scares the hell out of her. But I love that sort of stuff. Okay. for me like her like attention to detail and she's always checking the system for if so, if someone started the call late or on time for our, one of our clients she's on it like really quickly she's meticulous with being, being on top of all the operations all the time um, and that's just her strength so that's how we do it we also have a weekly meeting to make sure we're both aligned sometimes it's easy to not do that <laughs> Right. So I think even if you're on your own, trying to have a weekly like strategy meeting or a weekly planning meeting where you look at your targets, you talk to each other, even if you're, if you're on your own, just plan out your week, plan out what you're going to do, what you want to achieve, because it's so easy to just get lost in the, the doing and the day-to-day and not be long-term and strategic.
1: Yeah, you definitely have to have some accountability with those weekly times to step back and look at the big picture.
0: Yeah, definitely. definitely. Easy to overlook.
1: That's fantastic! It sounds like you two have great chemistry and and are a great match for for running this business.
0: Yeah, we're very similar. I definitely looked up to Lisa when I was younger because she's my older cousin. And she's the older she cousin to be able to work together now. That's,
1: that's <laughs> fantastic. There's something special about the uh, the cousin relationship.
0: Yeah, there is. There is. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so where? Tell me a little bit more about where you're going now and these ambitions because you talked about securing the rights to a larger territory
0: yeah so we've been extremely lucky to already have kind of three or four territories i can't even remember now secured already so um we kind of got really ambitious at the start and we sort of saying oh we're going to grow really quickly and go into all territories but actually we've realized that the kind of hyper we're calling it hyper local marketing strategy is actually much more powerful And it works better especially in our business because our carers are driving around the community. So it's better to keep it very concentrated. So we do have ambitions to grow and open a proper second branch where we'd have another office, another care manager, and we'd have that all set up. But At the moment, we're really trying to saturate the market where we are currently near our current office. Um, We want to double our number of hours by the end of the year. So... um, we want to be delivering sort of 600, 700 hours of care a week. We're currently around 360. So um, hopefully that should be achievable. Um, And we'd love to win more awards, definitely, because we're we're still a new business. So, um, but maybe we can try some of the bigger categories next time because we won new business of the year award and you never know, we could win... Complete overall business of the year award. You never know.
1: I mean, <laughs> I bet Radfield is, is thrilled that they selected you. They awarded their first franchise to you guys.
0: Yeah, no, they are. They do say, like, we're looking for the next Lisa and Jenny. <laughs> <laughs> the truth. Which is really nice. And we're kind of their their success story, which is not. – they've got lots of success stories coming through. Oh, of but course. We were quite sort of ambitious and ballsy without, with growing – our business. And we actually did get up to about 500 hours of care a week because we had some living care packages come through. So we're, we're kind of like, we just try and do everything and anything to fulfill our clients needs. But quality is also really important. So it is hard to say no to work, but we've started to actually say no, because we've got such a good reputation. You don't want to lose that. If you do say yes to everything. So we've, we've had to start saying no, which is sad, but it is one of those things.
1: It's a good thing to keep in mind for all of us in business too.
0: It is. You're right. And I was definitely against it, but I think it's the right thing.
1: So Jenny, what would you tell your, uh, your old Jenny back mm-hmm. in uh, you know, graduating out of university and getting started in, in the corporate world about where you are now?
0: I think, I definitely think everyone's got kind of an inkling as to whether they'd rather work with someone else or work for themselves. And I think for me, I always had that inkling that I wanted to work for myself, but I never really had the guts to do it. So, And I don't have any regrets because I don't believe in having regrets. Like I've loved the journey that I've been on. Um, but I definitely say to someone that was graduating, like really think about, do you want to work for someone else or do you want to work for yourself? And just go with whatever feels right. And you can always do the other at some point in the future.
1: It's a journey, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it totally is. And I, I think... Um, is it Cheryl Sandberg that said like that it's not a career ladder it's a jungle gym like your Lovely. career goes up down sideways like, it's not all about going up 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 and sometimes I know I definitely when I was at Deloitte got very overwhelmed with the kind of progression and the career ladder and having to get promotions and I would stress myself out about it but actually now I'm like it doesn't if it doesn't if it's not going to matter in five years it doesn't matter do worry about it. like <laughs> yeah. and it really won't matter in in five years whether you've got got that promotion or you didn't because at the end of the day it's you can do something else if you need to
1: yeah that's some wise wor- words for our the younger ladies graduating college right now and yeah uh, perfect internship to get into the perfect role and
0: yeah exciting yeah. times for them
1: yeah yeah I love that well thank you great advice so I like to end my show with a few questions and and uh, so what's let's just start with the first one what's the best business advice you've ever received Jenny? oh my goodness um best business advice
0: that's a really hard question
1: what's the best business advice that you would give
0: that I would give I would say go out and get your hands dirty go and shadow people like if you I don't know I used to want to be a teacher so I went out and worked at a school and I hated it so I never became a teacher so like if you're thinking about a franchise go and do the job on the ground go and shadow the CEO going, shadow the person going out, doing the work, everything. Shadow the person in the office, just get your hands dirty and, and then, you're, then you'll know if it
1: works for you. I love it. So mm-hmm. the second question, it's a little bit connected to what you just said, but what, what would you re- recommend to another woman considering joining a franchise?
0: Yeah, um, I would say, yeah, definitely what I just said, but also... right. right. <laughs> um, Is there more? <laughs> I'd say like facts and research is really important. Like make sure that you're really clear on what you're getting into financially and what the return is, but then also think about how you feel about it deep down, like the gut instinct thing. So do you think there's something to be said for your gut instinct? (laughs)
1: Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. All right. Finally, any other franchisees, you know, who are rocking it? Oh, wow. Great question. Um, I don't know if you're connected in, to other franchises. In Radfield or overall? Uh, overall, and so any female franchisees, that is, since it's pertinent to our audience.
0: Um, God, you give me some really difficult questions, aren't you? I, there's some Radfield franchises that are run by females that I think would be good. There's um, Home Instead. I know I've got a franchise that was run in the southwest of London that's run by a, a lady that's just absolutely smashing it. Um, I don't know I can't remember her name off the top of my head but I can let you know
1: yeah no uh, problem
0: find out but yeah there there are definitely some I, I'm, one of my intentions is to get involved in the women's franchising network in the UK and I definitely have that on my to-do list so I should, oh, okay. get, I should get involved
1: <laughs> when you do uh, if you find any other leading ladies who'd love to be on the show tell them we'd love to have them
0: yeah I will 100% I'd love to
1: well, Jenny, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. It was really, really appreciate it. And uh, we wish you the best of luck. It sounds like you're off to an amazing start. And I, I can't wait to hear what what your business is doing in a year, two, three, four, five years. Oh, thank
0: now. you. Thank mm-hmm. you. And same to you. I look forward to f- keep following the franchise rising. I love
1: it. Thank you. Thank you so much. So where, where can ever, anyone, everyone find you online? Um, on-
0: Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn, Jenny Bardrick. It's Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, Bardrick, B-A-R-D-R-I-C-K, on Instagram. And then Radfield Home Care Havering and Brentwood, which is on Instagram, Facebook. And we've got a website. If you just Google it,
1: it should come up. Yeah, Google. It's amazing, that Google machine, what it does. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll also put all that in the show notes. I really appreciate you uh, sharing that as well. And hey, everyone, go ahead and follow Jenny and Connect with Rodfield Home Care, and if you have any questions, let her know. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jenny. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I know that time is one of the precious things you don't get back. And I really appreciate you taking your time to listen to the Franchise Rising podcast. If you like what you heard, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to the show. If you'd like to hear more, hit subscribe. Or if you don't know how to subscribe, just go to franchiserising.com slash subscribe, and we'll guide you to the right place there. Until next time, have a great week.